Zach Lobier. Ah, uh, there it goes. <sighs> the the pride I feel. No, when not, I put not, this not, stupid not. headband on. Oh, the pride the headband. Okay. I didn't want you to do the show before the show. This is the pre-show banter. Oh, right, 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 right. Oh, like you're you're strapping on the victory headband. Yeah, it's a real it's pretty I don't I'm not proud of how proud I am of the <laughs> it's an embarrassment. I'm looking in the mirror being like, we did it. Me and me and the headband once again. Uh, the winning headband. And you don't put it on until the game's over, right? That's right. Okay. All right. Seconds ago, I, I put it on. Okay. All right. Well, why don't we do a podcast? Here we go. Podcast on video. You said it could never happen. The Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook. Download their top-rated app. Use promo code RTRS. And brought to you by BodyBio, optimizing your cellular health. Get 20% off all Body Bio products with code RTRS20 at bodybio.com. LL Pavorsky Jewelers, or writes to Ricky Sanchez listeners, go and get engaged and kinetic skateboarding. Get 9.1% off your first order with promo code Dave Silver. On today's show, the Sixers win game three, go up 2 1 on the Hawks, even though the Hawks sold out their playoff game, which they're very proud of. Uh, also on the show, Rudy Gobert wins Defensive Player of the Year over Ben Simmons. The Bucks win one game against the Nets. And if we get to it, Lou Will releases a new song, which I know there's some Liberty Ballers memories there, because I think you and Jordan did like a Lou Williams rap song. Or something. No, 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 no. I did not. Uh, are you sure? No. Now that you say it, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure. I'm pretty sure it was just Jordan. I don't know. The show, by the way, is being uh, done live on YouTube and Twitch and Twitter. We will take your questions. And by the way, for just listening to the pod, understand that if you subscribe to any of those, you can watch the pod live right after the games during the playoffs. And if you're on YouTube, you can donate using the supers button. If you donate, we will take all the money at the end of the playoffs, donate to Providence Animal Center encoded by kids. We're up to like 350 or 375 bucks so far. So please, uh, your donations are welcome. Without any further ado, Amos and the Chef. Larry, sweetie, the man is Welcome to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with the only guy who falls to the ground more than one Joel Hans Embiid. That is Mike Levin. A nice game. A really nice game. Just a good team win. Like a bunch of things to be very excited about. Worried about Danny. Yeah. Uh, the cap thing makes me think about Achilles's and all that yeah. kind of stuff. I think he'll probably be out for a little bit. Yes. 
I would at least sit him for a couple. I would assume a couple games, maybe the rest of the series. Well, he's um, in that. He was in that giant robot boot after the yeah. game too, which yeah, not a great sign. But just a really nice game that I think almost everybody played well. Almost everybody like played a part. Um, I thought that they it was a really bad night for the Embiid and Simmons can't play together crowd. They looked really good. Um, I thought. Just think about like maybe this is a lot of this is Doc, but how many fewer wide open threes the Hawks got in this game and most of last game compared to the first the first game and a game and a half basically. Um, they're just forcing them into taking tough twos. Uh, the Sixers limited their turnovers only ten. I thought sticking Korkmaz on Herder instead of Seth Curry was a really nice adjustment that paid off a lot because they just didn't seem to the Hawks didn't seem to be generating as many easy points it was I thought they cut well as a team they passed well they you know they took their foot off the gas and let them back into it but and that's when like that's when have not having an elite perimeter creator hurts a lot when the other team is like pressing up on you and just playing so desperately because then it's like well we don't have much to get easy buckets out of it. And with, with Joel, it's so physically taxing when they're just throwing so many bodies at him all frenetic. Um, but I just think they were the better team. They're clearly the better team in the series. They did what they had to do. They hit enough shots. They defended well. Some things to be a little bit concerned about, but just a really nice, solid game three win up to one doing what they're supposed to do. The uh, When you say really tough game for the Joel and Ben can't play together crowd, I feel like I'm just like, reading tweets when you say things like that what do you mean it's just that it's such a it's a twitter thing to say it's like they they made some nice passes to each other and, and played well but like i i don't know it's a it's a a funny the way you worded it is a funny thing to say i thought i i do i thought they played great together i think they there's a real cohesiveness to to both of them right now on both ends of the court um and i think that they this is we've talked about it before in the past of like they know we, they know that they need each other and they've talked and people are sitting them down and telling them how much they need each other. But it really feels like for the whole season, really, it feels like this has been a whether it's Doc or just maturing or whatever it is. It seems like this is they get it. They get each other. They like playing with each other and they're and they're good. They definitely find each other more than they ever have in the past. And it's it's dope. I love watching. I love that. It's Joel and Ben. I love it's those guys. So I I thought. In the first half, it was pretty much I, – I, I can't remember if Joel had three or five points in the first half, but it was a, a really great Tobias Harris half, I thought the first half was. You said it was a, a great team win, and I, I thought it was. They, they all had different parts at different times. But the overall, the game was – I felt pretty hectic and frenetic. Mm-hmm. And the most steady thing in the first half of the game, I thought, was Tobias Harris. So I – you know, he um, I thought he was a, a real stabilizing thing. And like, you know, uh, the Hawks are 19 and two, I think, in their last 21 at home. They've played really well at home. So it's not like they're going into the, the you know, the Terror Dome or something. But having a, a player come in and play steady offensively the way Harris did, I thought was pretty important for the first half of the game. Yeah, I mean, I think he just picked the Hawks apart. Like there's just offensively, he had an excellent, excellent game. Um you know, needed buckets on the bench unit. Uh, I thought, you know, I just wish he got fouled. If he got fouled, if he either got fouled or t- 
took more threes. He had one. He, t- he attempted one three tonight. It wasn't until the fourth quarter. And so, like, it's really easy to see, like, God, he does all these things so well. He's, you know, great touch, controlled going downhill. He took it end-to-end a couple times. He had a bunch of, like, off-balance tough shots where the defense is just, like, bodying up on him so much, I think. But they're just he's just incapable of drawing fouls. Even though when he makes shots through contact, he just doesn't doesn't draw those fouls. And it's, it's frustrating because I think he'd be, like, a really elite player if, if he just had a little bit more of those skills. But he was excellent. Um on parsing. Um, it was really just a nice, a nice game. I thought he passed really well. I've been critical of his passing in the past, but uh, I thought a couple lobs to Dwight on the bench unit, that's huge for stabilizing them. Easy buckets. Well, the, um, there were, there were some, you know, to, they're, they're the most unpick and roll team maybe in the history of the NBA. And they did have a few nice Tobias Dwight Howard yeah. moments during that. And that, you know, you've, we've, that you, me, everybody who watches the Sixers has talked about, you know, not all bench units, like having one guy and Tobias ends up being the one guy that they can have out there in those yeah. extra times. And he's able to do that. I think it's pretty big, you know? Yeah, I thought, I, I thought it was great. He also hit Embiid with that uh, calm little entry pass uh, on a night that they had some trouble throwing entry passes mm-hmm. uh, when he had uh, Trey on him uh, late. I love just please give him the ball whenever Trey Young is nearby. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought Tobias wasn't great on defense for most of the game. I thought he lost his man and ball watched and got beat off the dribble and commit some tu- stupid fouls when they're like taking, you know, contested fadeaways. He doesn't need to, but I thought he, he tightened that up later in the game and had a couple nice helps from the weak side, uh, prevented some lobs. That was, that was pretty big. And, uh, he seemed to tweak something in his leg earlier in the game Tobias nice. did and then and then well, on well, the drive three, got hit in the back four, of the head by the cameraman's knee which is like just fucking how many times does that have to happen before the NBA wakes the fuck up the, cam- the NBA is like pleading with the Brooklyn Nets like change the rule like don't don't boo Giannis don't don't indicate how long he's taking at the foul line but like guys continue to get hurt because the cameramen are so close and they're like there's nothing we can do we have to put them there they have to be right there I mean put them on the court just make them be on the court it's like camera guys weaving through things. Like, what, what the fuck? It's so arbitrary what they decide to fix and what they don't. Well, I mean, the cameramen are for the TV broadcast and Giannis counting 10 to 10 isn't. That's why they fix one and they it's don't It's fun for the, the TV other. broadcast, though. I think that's entertaining. It's more entertaining for the broadcast than, like, you know, four more feet up to the in line than it would be otherwise i think it's way more fun to see like crowd getting into it and jeering at each other and stuff that's that's an entertaining like creative little thing i don't know i just it's the what they decide to make like make a priority in the league is is baffling to me the um wait what was i gonna say oh the, the number of sixers that get hurt per game seems much higher than any team like I, it does seem as if tobias is easy once a game Joellis twice. Thibel had a, I thought, a moment today. Like it just, it seems like the Sixers get hurt more. Are they obviously Joel is falling more, which we will get to, than anybody else? But it just seems like the Sixers get hurt hurt more. Speaking of Thibel, he, you know, Danny Green goes out early, and I thought, in addition to Tobias Harris's first half, Thibel was chaos creator i thought quite a bit in the first half as well which was they i think they got a couple of easy buckets off of turnovers yeah and i I thought that was pretty helpful as well anything you can do to 
when, when you're going to game three, when you're going away to game three, I think anything you can do to prevent the crowd from like getting into a frenzy and those thiable things are such momentum killers. You know, I think they, they crushed the crowd and I thought they were important as well. Yeah. He was great. There was that one stretch where he just had to hit a couple easy buckets at the rim. I thought he was cutting really nicely. That's something I focus on a lot. And even when they didn't give him the ball there, once they gave it to him once or twice, then the defense accounts for it. And that opens up Seth in the corner that Embiid or Simmons can can hit the opposite corner for a three. Like that, it just movement begets open shots, even if you don't hit the first open guy. Um, and I thought that that was really nice. It was a little frustrating. The fouls that they called on him, I think sometimes it was on him. Like he's gotten called on the same similar, like I'm bodying him up as I'm sliding. And I don't think it's a foul. And I think that it's pretty clear that they're initiating the contact, but they're going to keep calling him for that. And so I think he has to do a better job of not getting beat initially so that he doesn't have to go sideways if he if he can uh, position himself better for that. But and he got him to bite a couple of times and the foul call, the, the sixth foul where he got elbowed in the back of the head. It's just like, what are we doing, man? Like, come on, there's some. Um, I, I guess I'll be ref guy, like just some inexplicable stuff. I think Embiid got the benefit of a couple like tripping yeah. whistles that are like trashy, whatever. I would be, I would be frustrated, but yeah, I mean, he I, fell on one that he, nobody yeah. touched him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that happens, but he's also getting mauled all the time inside and, uh, and Trey, because he's a perimeter ball handler and he's so little, as soon as anybody is even nearby him, it's like he flails and goes flying and, and they benefit they were he's benefit. pretty good at that too that i i sure. honestly thought the the moment that i thought from trey young that was the most impressive because he's it's, he's been interesting to watch because he seems to adjust during the game to what's happening to him and it, he is the first player that i ever saw know that thibel was coming from behind him to try to block a shot and sort of pull the ball back and then he drew a foul on Thibel. And mm -hmm. I just thought, like, Thibel has caught so many players with that block from behind. And the fact that Trey Young has obviously seen it and knew it was coming and caught him with it, I thought was was pretty impressive. Yeah. I, I think he makes people see ghosts a lot. People, like, mm -hmm. once they get him once, he, they're expecting it. But Trey is really super patient and more patient than, like, a very veteran savvy level of patience. And so then he can he will bet get him to bite and he did and that was nice plays um Matisse also hit I would say they only went to they only went to zone for one possession and it ended in a I think it was one possession it ended in a uh Danny-esque uh zone busting corner three for Matisse that he shot confidently um so that was very nice and now without Danny you know who knows he's going for but that means more all bench lineup there's no more there's only four starters now so that's going to mean we're going to have more all bench lineups and great wh whoever they replace him with I think it should probably be Korkmaz um, just for just for the the shooting, and you can bring Matisse in off the off the bench with with. Uh, I, I don't mind Matisse playing more minutes, but I would I like I like some more just movement and and shooting that they have to account for in the starting lineup. Um, yeah, especially with Ben, I, I think you have to start Korkmaz. I think that's yeah, the move. Yeah, for sure. Korkmaz, by the way, we can get to Ben and Joel. We kind of haven't talked about much, but Korkmaz, I thought was excellent. He was I thought awesome. he was just absolutely excellent. He was. I think it was like a plus 20 or plus. Uh, I think it was something. a plus 28, 24, plus 24 for Korkmaz, 14 points in 28 minutes, three of six from three. Uh, I want to talk about his defense. I'm going to talk about his defense. I've been hyping up Korkmaz's defense for a long time that it's better than, than people give it credit for. And I thought he was excellent. I thought he's has, he has great anticipation. He's obviously slower than Matisse, but he has anticipation on that. He's looking for that stuff to poke the ball out and to, and to slide over rotation wise. And really seriously, like Herder was hurting the Sixers. 
for yeah. those first two games. He was, he was roasting really, Curry every time Curry was on him. Just Seth could do nothing about it. And Doc comes in and decides, let's get Korkmaz on him. And Korkmaz is bigger and a little bit more physical and could contest. And he played excellent defense. And, and Herter did almost nothing at all. He was one of six from the field, three points. And it was a minus 12. Like, And that, that was just... One fewer because you have Trey, you have Bogdan, one fewer guy who can like do everything, create and shoot and like draw the defense in makes them a lot more beatable. And uh, and it their offense looks way more human than it has in, in some other games. And it was it was great to see. Obviously, the 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 big stuff is that he had 11 points in the first quarter after, yeah. <laughs> after the bench had very little to say in the first halves of the first two games. Quirkmash uh, just comes in and is immediately on fire, on fire from the parking lot. Um, well, he's dying for heat checks when he makes a shot. Yeah, like, and he deserves them. He yeah, deserves them. I, I don't. I don't disagree. I don't Had disagree. A, yeah, so, nice bucket at the rim. Got fouled on the three, and he made all three foul shots, which has never happened in the history of basketball for Korkmaz. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just like started looking for a shot, had a big three in the corner. They started running that uh, JJ dribble handoff when they had Trey Young on him. I would do that all the time. Force Trey Young to defend and run through screens. Um, and then he comes in late in the game when they need like you know, final stemming the tide of the, of the last Hawks run. And he hits like a sidestep three from the center, right over Trey Young, Trey Young right in his face. And obviously he's not a big guy. He just doesn't, uh, it doesn't matter, but like, what a, what a great thing. It's, this is the kind, this is the doc bench situation. They shouldn't all be in at once. Now that Danny is, they probably is hurt. They'll probably have to go to it more, but like they have multiple guys who can go off. And now through Two games, it's been different guys, and this is it's it's been really really nice, and I love it for Korkmaz. I love it for those guys, and uh, they're going to need it. They're going to continue to need it. Can uh, this is what a way for Cork to go out as a Sixer, as he he this is his you know just uh, cashing a twelve million dollar check, yeah, just yeah, right right going to the it. bank and saying hand hand it to me, hand <laughs> the, me the uh, money. You can give us questions on YouTube or Twitch. Thank you for all the donations on YouTube. I think we're up to 150 bucks on this pot alone. So we want to raise, I say, 2,500 bucks total for Coded by Kids and Providence Animal Center during the playoffs. So uh, keep those donations coming in and give us your questions. We'll get to them in a bit. The Rights Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by Body Bio. This is Calm. This is Eli right here. So they they want to make your, your gut healthier, your brain healthier. They want you to be healthy. Mike, I'm going to do something that's never been done on the pod. I am going to take Calm, which uh, takes the edge off. Well, with, I feel like I should then start trying to make you mad. Yeah, well, maybe. Yeah, you've, you're pretty good at it, actually. That's right. Amino acids and aptogens. That's how it keeps you calm, just natural stuff. And I'm going to take it by mainlining Elite, which is all electrolytes, which is basically pure salt water so i'm gonna drink that straight i'm gonna take it here we go oh man i'm hydrated and i'm calm look calm is good you can take it a few times a day take it when you're stressed out take it when you're on your way to work take it before you're going to bed just keeps your brain down like just a level you focus better but you're not as wired and nothing no drugs in there just amino acids and aptogens up to three times a day, you can take it. As I've mentioned, I take it before work. And if I wake up in the middle of the night and kick it back to sleep, works in about 15 minutes. And Elite keeps it hydrated, all natural. No artificial flavors, no sugar, no anything, just the stuff that gets your electrolytes going and keeps you hydrated. Look, go to bodybio.com. Go to bodybio.com, use code RTRS20 for 20% off everything. And this is not one of these big giant supplement companies that are nameless and faceless. Nope. 
They're family owned, family operated from right here. They're from Jersey, South uh, Jersey. Uh, great people. Shout out Mike, shout out Jess, Body Bio. So again, RTRS20 for Calm, for Elite, everything at bodybio.com. All right. What were we going to talk about right before? Let's talk that? about let's talk about Ben. I thought I thought he was excellent. I thought it was another great Ben game. He did the stuff that I was asking him to do on last podcast. He started facing up. He started attacking Gallo on switches. He started forcing quarter. up a little bit more. Yeah, in, in the, the third, third quarter. quarter. There, there was the one time. Half, yeah, there was, was there was one time when he beat John Collins off the dribble in the first half. He got right to the rim and passed it out with like yep. two seconds on the shot clock. And I was very frustrated by that because like go to the basket, you're there, just finish. Later in the game, he did the exact same move and finished really nicely on the opposite side. And it just like when he decides to do it, he can do it. Like he finished really nicely. He got he, a couple of rebound. I think one, the thing that got him going was like a rebound grab and go where he just finished full court right past Gallo. And it's like, no one there can cover you. Maybe yeah. if De- DeAndre Hunter was there, then they would have somebody who is smart enough and, and skilled and big enough to, to hang with him. But they don't, they just, they just don't. John Collins is not a good defender. He's not a smart defender. Gallo is slow as hell. Uh, Bogdanovich fouls the shit out of him and they don't call it, but he's too small to hang. Like they called that weak charge call on John Collins. I didn't like it all, but just decided really to take it to the basket and, and just was successful. I thought this was one of the best Ben operating from the post games that we've had in a long time. Um, for a long time, we've been like, why are they posting up Ben and just like let it, and no movement happens out of it. Um, because he wasn't that skilled as a scorer back there, but teams, continue to like think that that's a mismatch it's so funny they continue they to double him yeah they it's double so him crazy. and that is that is a gift that is an absolute gift even when ben is good offensively and, and looking for a shot which i want him to be doing it is still an absolute gift when they double him from the post because he's he can see the whole court he's a great passer and he'll make quick decisions and he just did over and over again um and i thought there were a bunch of there was like the Embiid, the the lob to Embiid from the post that was gorgeous uh, he really started hunting it, and it was it was awesome. They found both Embiid and Simmons found found shooters in the corner a bunch of times. It's it's just really good. And I thought he played excellent defense on Trey Young. Trey Young finished with a good stat line, but I think most of that was on switches, which I do think Ben actually gave up a little bit too easily. I'd, I'd rather him try to fight fight through it. Um, but I think most of that was on switches or, or drawing fouls on Matisse or, or on Tobias, whatever it is. But it was uh, I thought. I mean, I think it's just been so far without the, aside from the glaring red light of the free throws, which everybody's talked about ad nauseum, um, although it was four of eight tonight, which is better. Um, I thought, I think, I think it's been a great, a really, really great Ben Simmons postseason, probably the best postseason he's had in his career, where in his career, he's been in the postseason every year, which is uh, impressive uh, in itself. I mean, he's, so he had a great series against Brooklyn. And then the next series sort of uh, sort of disappeared. I, I, yeah. I think so far, I would say there have been reasons for optimism, but so far it seems pretty similar. He, he had a great series against Washington. I think he's been uneven against Atlanta. I mean, he was absolutely great in the third quarter, 100% absolutely great. He was invisible in the first half. He, 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 uh, offensively, he was invisible. Now, again, like you can only expect from him what, what he is. I, th- I think like to a certain degree to, but you know, what you were saying about Tobias, you wish he shot, shot threes, you wish he got fouled. Like we're, yeah. we're, we're heading into Tobias sort of is what he is territory. Of course. And we start complaining about the things that he can't do. We know that they're not gonna be able to do them. Yeah. It, 
the Simmons thing is incredibly perplexing because I, it's almost like he can't do what he did in the third quarter all the time. Yeah. Well, but, especially when he's covering an elite offensive player. Okay. But, but I mean, but, but also he doesn't always look to do what he's doing in the third quarter, For sure. you know, and, uh, and sometimes it's not going to be there. Like sometimes it's just the, the defense is wrong and the, the team that he's playing against is wrong, but, but he was just sort of, it, it is this game I thought was a story of two different bends. And I, obviously he doesn't need to score 12 points in the quarter, or however many he scored in the third, maybe it was eight, maybe it's 10, whatever that that's not always going to happen. But when those opportunities are there, you just want to see him take them. And to your point in the first half, he didn't, he got to the rim. He ended up under the rim. He could have laid the ball in and he threw it out to the perimeter with two seconds left. And then the third quarter, all of a sudden it was just like a different thing. And I, I, yeah. I wonder what happened to make that happen. That's my, my question. Yeah, I think I think he's very much a take what the defense gives you kind of guy. And sometimes he takes it too willingly. I think I would like him to assert himself. Usually he does that at the beginning of games. He hasn't done that since the Washington series. Uh, they like to get him going right like the first the first stretch before the first time out. Um, I think when 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 they say, hey, you're on the best player on the defensive on the defensive end, he knows, OK, I'm going to distribute. I'm going to do my thing. And he will engage as an offensive aggressor when he feels like the time is right. And there's that, that's just like within the rhythm of the game. Sometimes he does it too late. Sometimes he doesn't do it at all. But when he wants to do it, he's good at it. Like, that's the thing that like, I don't think that he's ever going to be this elite perimeter creator where he's always just like, give him the ball and get out of the way type of thing. But in stretches of the game and on this current team, he's really good at it for stretches and he can carry them for a quarter like he did in the third. And I just, that's all I need. Like, I don't need him to do it the whole game. I know he's hes taxing himself on the defensive end most of the time. He's playing a, an incredible amount of minutes and and really making it, my, making life hard on Trey Young and whoever he gets switched on to. But I just needed more of it than he gave in game two. Obviously, they're winning basketball games. So, like, I'm happy with the win. Whatever he does in a win is fine. But uh, going forward and seeing what, what matchups await if they get through the series, like, I'm going to need more quarters like the third quarter. Like, give me one a game where he decides, like, turn, to turn it on. And I think, like, some of that is him knowing his body, managing how much energy he has to, like, make life as hard on Trey Young as he is. And sometimes it's just like, well, he's just being a little passive and and could do more. Um, and sometimes it's a bad matchup. But this is not one. I want to see him. I want to see him continue to put his head down, go to the rim and stuff. The, the post-up stuff is hilarious. Yeah. It's just because... Is, I think he knows he's not he doesn't have like many moves down there either. So he yeah. just he holds the ball up like this, thinking that if he does this enough, the double team comes and <laughs> always comes. They it, they so they double and um I think he's got that he does he has a similar like jab one way, go the other way that Embiid has also. And he hit a couple little hook shots tonight, got right to the rim, a couple offensive rebounds. Like he's just I thought I thought he played excellent. Um and even if it wasn't stretched out to a whole game, when you look at it in the totality, even like if some of that was in the first quarter or some of that was in the fourth, they'd be like, well, whatever, great. He didn't have that stretch. But because it was like all contained to this one, like six minute stretch where he was like, God, this player looks really, really good offensively in a way that Ben usually doesn't. Um, but I just think that that's kind of how it goes. I, 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 he's a perplex, perplexing player, but I, I on the whole and on in his role in the team, I think it's just I think he's really locked in right now. And I'm, I'm very happy with it. Embiid. So yeah. So here's my thing with Embiid, right? Come on. Okay. Obviously another 
defensively was a fucking murder monster a monster i i like he has decided i think i mentioned this last pod he's decided you know he's going to be questionable every game and yada yada yada. he's going to play every game until he can't play that's that's what he's doing he has decided that no matter what it does to his body he is going all out these playoffs which i respect really really respect you know he uh, he sometimes you just have to do that if you're the best player on the team you got to fight through those things it's tough for me to, to see him grab at his knee three times in a game and and fall the way he does and i, I i'm trying to resolve in my mind watching him just fucking go at it every single play which i want the best player on the team to do i really do but also know his size and what he's dealing with physically and it's tough like because i i keep thinking every time he falls that it's going to be the one time and i know sometimes he falls on purpose so yeah. yada 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 but but he also lands on his knee weird every single time and i'm just like i'm 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 conflicted, I think, with Joe. He's playing so great, but I, I feel like he must wake up every morning and just feel like absolute shit. Like he just like he he was in a, an enormous fight. And I don't I don't know what to feel when I'm watching the games. I mean, he's just doing what it takes. It feels if I feel lucky to watch him. I feel lucky that he's healthy enough to keep doing this. Um, is there I'm I'm not as conflicted as you are, where in the back of my mind, like occasionally it feels like we're at the blackjack table and we keep winning, but like, you know, that the new dealer is going to come and all of a sudden it's going to be like, you're, you're down 200 bucks. Uh, but he's just excellent. He's been the best player in the playoffs. I think he was the best player in the regular season, although obviously not in enough games. We don't have to talk about it. Um, but I think he's just, he's impossible to cover one-on-one Capella is a really good defender for a center, like a really good enough to where they think they should be able to cover Joel straight. And it might even be offensive to Capella to not let him try for a couple possessions here and there, but not good enough where he can actually cover Joel without a double team. And so they just started doubling the hell out of him and he still finishes through double teams. And then he starts punishing them and he gets physical with him and everybody's fouling him and, and they're pissed off. Um, I loved watching Trey like trying to like rip him, like throw his arm down. And then beats like, when is this? Barely even feeling it. Getting the line like 15 plus times per game. The jumper looks excellent. The three looks very confident. Um, I'm fine with him continuing to shoot those as much as he has. I again think he's passing really well. He found Simmons on a really nice back cut that then finished in midair. That was great. It might have been his best passing game of his entire career, honestly. And we've I said think. that a lot over the last few months, I would say. Yeah. I think he's just really starting to see it. And like finding guys cross court like regularly with regularity, um, it's really, really nice. And and uh some of those, like sometimes it's I, the, for me, it's the skill, it's the blend of the physical ones where he's just like, I'm just too big. I'm simply just too big for you to cover me where there's like offensive rebounds. And he's just like, guys are just draped all over him. And he's like, well, I'm just going to put it back up and, and score very easily. It's so nice when the game looks easy for him. But then when he's forced to have to create late in the game, when, when Atlanta, cause you got the feeling from this, that Atlanta was like, our backs are kind of against the wall. Like it's one, one, we stole a game, but we see how good this team is. And, and we can't just like give up anything because we know this series could be over in a heartbeat. And, uh, and so they, then they started pushing really hard and that's when he started getting hurt a little bit and getting pounded and stuff. Um, 
but he's just really good. He he weirdly missed a bunch of free throws, and maybe that's just because he's gassed and, and he's and he's putting a lot of effort in there. Um, but I really just adore him. And defensively, like you talked about, like he's just so good. Like he's so smart and he's so big, and he eliminated like a bunch of just easy Capella buckets that this Hawks team really thrives on to just survive. Um, and then there was my favorite play of the game was Gallo had I think either George Hill or Shake in the post. And Embiid is covering probably either Capella or John Collins underneath the basket. And he's like kind of stunting, kind of just showing a little bit, helping with the double team, helping with the double team that like Gallo's not comfortable enough down there. And he's Gallo's a really good shooter in the post. Um, can really get easy looks down there, even if it's contested because he's so big. Um, and then he rattled him enough where he passes to a cutting Okongwu. And Embiid just blocks the ever-loving shit out of him. Just, like, spikes the ball directly down. And it's just, he, he's a savant on the defensive end. And for him to be as good as he is on both ends of the court, really anchoring both sides the way he is, he's the best player in the NBA right now, and I, I adore him. And I, I'm just, I'm not as worried as you are about the injury stuff. I think he's just going to play until he can't. And it seems like they've stabilized it enough for him. But I'm just appreciating the time we are getting with him and, and hope that it doesn't run out before he can get a ring because he, he is playing as good as any sixer I've ever seen in my lifetime. Yeah. I, I would uh, better. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, he's, he's better than Iverson was. Oh yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we are going to get to, <laughs> the, the, I look at the YouTube comments as we're talking. There are some very, very funny ones in there. Uh, we'll get to your questions in a moment on YouTube and uh, and Twitch. Hey, the Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers. L.L. Pavorsky of the three GIF. That's the L.L. Pavorsky we're talking about. L.L. was begging for a um, a watch party event on Twitter earlier today for the, I guess the, I guess the lottery will be during a playoff game again this year. Um, I, I, I will not be. I mean, will you be organizing a watch party? I don't think I'll be organizing any watch parties this year. I don't think no. I have it in me. Yeah. No, no, uh, no. Maybe LL will. Maybe LL will. LL Pavorsky Drill is 214. Rights Ricky Sanchez listeners have been uh, have purchased engagement rings from LL Pavorsky Jewelers. All very happy. I actually saw one. I'll talk about him in another pod. I saw one earlier today doing just fine. He took he got the engagement ring from LL and then took his fiance back to get wedding rings from LL wedding bands. I guess you would say, look, he's trustworthy. He the jewelry is amazing. He will get you a great deal. And most importantly, he will take care of you and not pressure you or any of those things. He's just such a, a great guy with great jewelry, been in business over 30 years. And he had he already had this great clientele, but now he has a bunch of fucking weirdos to sell jewelry to for the next 30 years. So on to 60 LL, 60 years in business. 707 Walnut is where the store is by appointment only, 215-627-2252. Lee at llpavorsky.com or at llpavorsky on Twitter. Always supports our charities, Province Animal Center, coded by kids, LL Pavorsky Jewelers. Never blames the refs, just provides quality service. Now, this won't be an issue as long as Danny is out, but was interesting that Shake got the call over Maxi tonight. And I thought Shake played mostly well again. You know, it, yeah. it seemed like we're back into good shake 
Fingers mm-hmm. crossed. I don't want to jinx anything, but I think we're back into good shape. I think a bunch of bench guys played well. I thought I thought Jake played really nice. It, it it wasn't as much of a like I'm taking over type thing. It felt much more in the flow of the offense type of deal, which I think part of that is just him playing with the starters. Um, since Danny was out, he had that nice little floater uh, with a rolling Dwight. Dwight, by the way, offensively was totally fine. Like was Even doing. I'm fine with it. It was the end of the shot clock. It's fine. Um, although George Hill hitting a three off of that was the most like it's yeah. our night play in a long time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, even when, when when Dwight's rolling, just roll. Like, I mean, you watch DeAndre Ayton, and we've talked about Ayton before, of just like, I think he's going to be a top 10 center if he isn't already, just because he's like so solid on both ends. Like he just does exactly what you want him to do, like, and nothing more. Sometimes it's a little passive and like a, uh, occasionally like a Carl Anthony Towns way where he's just like, I don't want to do this. But like, as far as centers go, like if you don't have an elite otherworldly center, like an Embiid or Jokic, you just want him to just do the normal shit. And, and Dwight offensively was doing that and just rolling high hands, get your ass back on defense. Um, and even when he's, when he rolls, even if they don't give it to him, I think that it opens up lanes for drivers, which is what, how shake got a, a pretty easy look out of it. Um, Dwight, however, can't do anything on defense. He's a shell of himself. Like just, especially in space, like he just can't do shit. It's 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 a it's a bummer, and will will force their hand at some point. Um, can you imagine how it? Can you imagine how infuriating his offensive rebounding is to other teams? Like sure. I'm I'm watching it, feeling it for them. Yeah, you know, totally. And it, it it seems like the other team can't get the ball when he's there. They yeah. they just when he's made his decision that he's going to get the offensive rebound, it doesn't seem like anybody can get it. Yeah, I want him to pick his spots more because they they do get open looks in transition because of it. So I wish that he would you know shave off ten percent of the ones that he's just like not going to get to. But I thought tonight, aside from a couple just getting like roasted in in a pick and roll setting, um, I thought he was pretty good. And Shake, yeah, I thought he just does his thing. Like he is now back. I think it was a weird weird situation that the shot left him. Now he feels he looks very confident. It didn't seem to take much time for him to look that confident. Um, he had that pull up three going left right over Trey, just like shot that shit like he knew it was going in. And uh, and I love him, and especially with how bad, weirdly bad George Hill has looked in the playoffs. Um, it's ne- it's necessary. It's deeply necessary that that shake is playing with a level of confidence and, and uh, composure. Um, George Hill gets the Danny of the game for a a horrendous pass that Lou Williams just like easily intercepted. If Lou Williams is intercepting your pass on it's ball, a bad pass. it's, it's a, a bad, bad pass. Yeah. Uh, and then he missed both free throws and then passed. It's no, it's just like inexplicably horrible. Um, which is, I think I called him normal too many times and like Sixers gods are, are like, no, we can do it to anybody. Maybe he's um, cooked, you know? No, I think it's just, I think there's just weird. I think sometimes just go through weird stretches. Mm-hmm. I think it's just, you know, especially when you watch, every game and and in the playoff series when like things change on a dime like it feels like man it feels like george hill's been horrible for months but it's really just been like three or four games that he hasn't been as good as he should be um but he's still good plus minus wise his presence out there is still positive even if his like play is not um and i thought maxi was good in his limited minutes um just like seems to have slowed himself down a little bit uh he had that uh pump fake from three and stepped into a mid-range that he hit like more calmly than it seems like he usually does. Sometimes he rushes himself early in the series. He did. And then I loved, I mean, it's such a nice maxi play. And this is like, this is what gets me excited for the future of, of the Sixers when maxi is the starting point guard. 
of like that little floater off the window to end the third where he can just like get get to where he is and hit those spots and like a you know he's not the he's not the vertical athlete John Morant is and he's not the like uh creative uh ball handler but um there's just a joy to him that you that you feel when you're watching both of those guys and I I I'm excited to for the future of him but even if it's even if it's not in a huge role the rest of the playoffs they're gonna need him in little spots and, and he delivered tonight can we take some uh take some questions get some questions uh, cj up there so the questions from youtube and twitch are brought to you by kinetic skateboarding get 9.1 percent off your first order at kineticskateboarding.com with promo code dave silver the item i'm looking at that they got now i'm not a big nike guy but the nike skateboarding sunday dry fit shorts in two different colors orange pearl and coconut milk slash light dew. These are good shorts. Mike, I don't know if you've seen these, but I suggest you look. They are, I feel like they're up your alley. Uh, I'm wearing again, the, the the Ricky Blue Kinetics right now. Bro, so am I. I wish I could, can wow. I show people? There, there they are. No, nobody's asking for that. No, I just want to show you. 9.1% uh, off your first order with promo code Dave Silver, kineticskateboarding.com. CJ, get us some questions, buddy. Yeah, so I don't have anything on the screen right now, but in the beginning of the pod, everyone was asking who should replace Danny Green in the starting lineup moving forward. Uh, we talk, I think it should be Korkmaz. Yeah, um, I agree, Ferk. I think the Matisse coming in off the bench, I think, is a is a, just a, like a juice booster. Um and you just want a little bit more uh, floor spacing to prevent um, everybody from collapsing onto Simmons or Embiid or Tobias when they're handling the ball. So I, I think I think it should be Corkmas. All right. What else you got? Xavier wants to know on a scale of one to ten. You know, CJ, many... just talk louder. You're, you're low again. <laughs> Am I low? Just, yeah, just talk it... loud. Okay. There you go. <laughs> is, how am I? Do I sound good? Better. Now? Just talk so loud. Like project. Like you're it, on the like you're on the radio. Okay. All right. Xavier <laughs> wants to know on a scale of one to ten, how mad are you at Doc for playing Embiid up twenty in the fourth? Put him I back could, in up twenty in the fourth. I just had enough of it. Doc, I don't. God bless him if they win the title this year. But I don't think Doc knows what he's doing. <laughs> I I don't agree. I can't I can't be mad at Doc. It's a playoff game. They the Hawks already stole one in the series. If it was if they were up two zero at this point, maybe you don't put him back in, but. You can't take anything for granted. And he's already the difference between like 32 minutes and 35 minutes or whatever isn't much. They needed to get the win and the Hawks were coming like they were not. They had not folded at, at any point. And they, they were like really pressing hard and, and making some things happen. And I think if Embiid wasn't in the game, then you bring him back in when it's like an eight point game with like 230 left. Like that's just it's just weird. I, I'd rather I would have pulled him a little bit earlier than Doc did still maybe at like. 230 left when they were up like 16 but i i don't mind him bringing i don't think you can bring him beat back keep him out of the game unless it's like a 25 30 point game in the playoffs you just you got to make sure you get that win and you don't want to bring him back in after he's already like taken off the knee brace and stuff uh all right what do you got Lumpty Dumpty 69 asked very calmly. <laughs> wait a minute, uh, wait a minute. I, I don't want to skip over the name. Can, can you tell us the name again, just slowly? Yes, that is Lumpty Dumpty 69. Correct? Okay. And he Great. asks the question very passively. CJ, can we get a question about the shitty Hawks fans cheering Embiid, grabbing his knee? That's a great question, Lumpty. And I think that it did piss me off. I didn't like it. Um... It is the kind of thing that, I mean, look, all, fan, all fans are bloodthirsty. It's just, I think that 
yeah sixers fans get a and philly fans just get a bad rap for like oh you're booing injury you're cheering for injuries and it's like no you just want your team to win and in the moment you don't care that it's because of like somebody getting hurt and i think Embiid around the league has a reputation for being injury prone even if it's i mean it's not untrue but it also is not like he's just like constantly nursing injuries where he doesn't want to play through stuff like he obviously plays through stuff he's certainly not soft um but it it pissed me off and is the thing that would have it on every fan base and it only it only pissed it only bothered me in the sense that like oh if the sixers fans did this it'd be like a segment yeah i just to your point i just think it's instinctive i it's the same reason that i i'm not like shame on sixers as soon as fans sort of realize what's going on i think 99 times out of 100 when they have a chance to think about it they're they're not that way so but yes i agree with you it would have been made a big deal if it was here but it's the first game hawks fans have been to all year can you blame them so what's uh good question lumpty just chill wants to know question kind of disappointed we haven't been here already but can mike talk about isaiah joe's meaningful minute already what are we uh, doing of course right? we should talk about isaiah joe's meaningful minute just coming in at the end of the game looking confident attacking a closeout finishing with a nice little floater there's a there's there's a nice nice player in there and i'm really excited for future isaiah joe and i'm glad that he gets in now and there's a chance if Danny's out for a while and one more guy goes down, Isaiah Joe is in the rotation. <laughs> Doc is not going to shorten it. I think he, I think he wants, he wants those options. And so uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see a little bit more Isaiah Joe if somebody else gets, you know, banged up during a game. A uh, couple more. What else we got? We CJ. have a we have a non basketball question donation uh, earlier um, okay. from Michael Otino. You donated fifteen bucks and said, Spike, what's your favorite guitar? Oh, the one a lot of, a lot of guitar questions. So the, the, okay, so there's there's a couple of Telecasters, a couple of Stratocasters, a Les Paul, and a Jaguar. So the best one is that, you see that pink one back there? The pink one is a uh, a Pardo custom Telecaster. And Pardo, it's kind of peach to me. Yeah, peach slash pink. And it uh, Argentina, it's a couple of brothers in Argentina that make uh, great guitars. So... Pardo guitars. They're on Instagram, but that's my favorite one. Awful question, and I wish that Val would come down during the podcast and smash all of them on screen. Trust me, I think she wants to. But the one I like playing the most is just the Stratocaster that's not even up there. Uh, It's in a case somewhere. But okay. Sorry. Uh, One more. One more. Jaden wants to know, how criminal was Paul Reed not getting into the end of the game? Is Mm -hmm. Doc banned from the pod for putting Isaiah Joe in over B-Ball? Well, certainly not Isaiah Joe, but uh Dwight didn't need to come back in at that point. I would I wish it was Paul. They he was gonna put him in for Tobias, but there was never a whistle after the foul shots. So that was a bummer. But anytime, you know, B ball Paul staring longingly at the court, stuck in the mud at the foul at the uh, scorer's table. That was a that was a bummer. I would have liked to see some some B ball Paul action. But just him being around and putting a jersey on and you know, moving as if he's coming in is 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 it does like satiate me. It fills me up. So I wanted to do a couple of other playoff things, but I, I'm wondering if now CJ, I don't know if the audio from a web page you can put up. Could you put up the audio from a YouTube page or no? I believe so, yeah. Well, so there's in the show rundown, there is a link to the new Lou Williams rap song. Now, uh, if anyone remembers long ago, 
Luwa did rap songs when he was here with the Sixers. And I believe that Mike and Liberty Ballers editor. Um, I might have to leave. Did I do it? I don't remember doing it. I remember Jordan doing it. Jordan. I, no, I don't have that one. I didn't okay, look for that. Good. I just wanted to play the new Lou Will rap song. Jordan Sams, who I eventually left the blog to focus on working out. Mike continued to write. Um, but I just want to play a little of the Lou Will rap song and Mike get go. your get your your you guys hear this? He played well tonight. Nah, we can't hear it. It's no audio, just the video. Real shame. Check. What if you Any, mute us I, or something? I there hold on. There was an option, I believe. Let me talk about. Let me. Talk, we didn't get to Seth. Why okay. you do that? I'll Why don't you talk, talk about, about Seth, Seth for a second. Um, yeah. They keep losing him uh, on defense, and yeah. it's. I have no idea why they leave him open this much. I think part of it is that just Trey doesn't like playing defense and and steps away pretty frequently to just ball watch. But um, he shoots like ninety five percent on open threes. He's one of the best shooters of all time, <laughs> and they just leave him really wide open, and it's it's very nice uh, when they do that. And uh, it's a little frustrating because he I, he does get like bullied a little bit um, on both ends. I think he can get he's pretty loose with the ball. He's not fast enough or big enough to sort of withstand anything, and he doesn't get those like little cheap whistles in the playoffs. Um, but he's silky smooth with that like little baby hook, little floater on the on the right side that he kisses off the glass. He doesn't like have a full bag when people talk no. about like they're in their bag. He doesn't have a full bag, but he does have like a very nice, like tasteful pocketbook. And I think that he uses it judiciously and I appreciate him for it. I'm hoping there's no echo here, but okay. uh, give it a try. Big there we go. She said, Let that be big talk. What do we think, Mike? Big tough. Uh, I think it's good. I think Lou's good. Hmm. Sweet Lou. I like, that it so- I like that it sounds like him. I think sometimes it doesn't sound yes. like sound like people when they're singing, but it still yeah. definitely sounds like Lou. Like Lou Williams. Yeah. Hmm. So there's uh, a Mike Levin video on the internet rapping? No. There couldn't. There, there simply couldn't be. And if it was, it's well past the statute of limitations that anyone could find it. <laughs> Is there? Really? There can't be. There can't be. Why are we doing this? I'm quitting the podcast. <laughs> well, while CJ's looking, we the, can't do this. The, do you take the Bucks beating the Nets in that game to mean anything other than the Nets are going to win in five? I do not. I think well, the Nets are going to win in five. I'm not feeling anything other than dreaded if CJ pulls <laughs> up anything, but uh, I think it could be gentleman's sweep situation. They just missed a bunch of shots. And it's like, what a very 90s type game, that game a game in the 80s. Oh my God, um, it was. I don't know. It's Can a weird. I, Bruce Brown, who I love, taking, you know, two shots in the last minute of a contested game is like, 
uh, 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 choices. He shot 17 times. He had 17 shots, Bruce Brown. In wow. the game. I, and I love, I love him and I, He's I great. appreciate him, but uh, sometimes you just don't, you just can just pull it out. You don't need to take that floater. He, one time he got hit in the nuts and he was like holding his nuts still. And then he got the ball on a, on a short roll and still went up with it. I was like, that's, you know, to have the nuts to only get, to not only get hit by it, but then to take that shot also is, is pretty impressive. Let me ask you this. If LeBron doesn't win another title, KD wins this year with the Nets and wins next year with the Nets. Is there an argument that KD is better than LeBron? Um, I would say I would say no. I, I love Kevin Durant. I think he's I think he's going to finish a top five to ten player of all time. Mm-hmm. He's a completely singular player. Yeah, um, and he's a better defensive player than he has gotten credit for in his career. And um, it is it's wild that he looks as good as he does after an Achilles. For sure. Like and it's wild. He covers not only is good defensive player, but he covers good players in a way that Giannis doesn't, which is very odd, deeply odd. Um, but I think that because Durant has played with so many good players, and you know Zach Lowe talks about it in his last podcast, where it's like a lot of a lot of the time he's just not the number one option. He is incredibly efficient. He's in he's incredibly good at everything on the court, but. If he took 28 shots a game, like what would happen? I think there would be a special stuff would happen because he doesn't have to, because in his whole career, really, he's never had to carry such a heavy load. He's always like been able to take a backseat to whether it's Russ or the guys in the Warriors or now Kyrie and Harden. Like it's just it we've never gotten to see him. I think that's the the not danger, but that's the slight drawback of playing with these super teams is that like he can just be, he's kind of just like really good Paul George. Like he's like, like much better Paul George. And because he's not like totally carrying the offense, he's not totally anchoring stuff. He's like spotting up, he's posting up, but it's never like KD is the engine that just does it again and again and again, just like give him the ball, get out of the way, give him the ball, let him create, give him the ball, let him go downhill. Like he can just, it seems like he's playing sometimes at like 70% speed and I've never, I've never seen him be like fully engaged in a way that like to put yourself in the best player of all time conversation. I think you, you have to have carried more of a responsibility. I think he's excellent. And I love him. Like, I think he's an incredible player. Um, And it's to to come off the Achilles and and look as good as he is, is ridiculous. But I just think to to put yourself in the Jordan and and LeBron conversation, I just think that he, he hasn't, done he hasn't done it he hasn't like done the work by himself a little bit one thing i want to compliment you on and then one thing i'll agree with the one thing calling kevin durant a really good paul george yeah is such a kick in the nuts he's like an incredibly good paul george and paul george is obviously very good a little bit of a loser for sure but like he's obviously very good and durant is just like the the highest level of of skill that you could get with a Paul George model. And then the other thing is that I agree with you in that he's not the guy, the guy, which also makes it easier to put him on any team in history. Yeah, of course. But it, but it also, and by the way, he is the guy who it's just super interesting. Like he's the guy that orchestrated Harden and Kyrie coming to Brooklyn with him. And he's so... Which is a very LeBron-type move. 
Yeah, but it's also like remember LeBron went to Miami. What I'll say is I have I thought I used to think KD was super lame. And all the all the Twitter stuff and the like when I would hear him on Bill Simmons podcast for three and a half hours, it was like all super lame. And then it hit me. He's more normal and like any of us would be in that situation than anybody else. And he's just a person who hates reading people's shit talking him on the internet. But he does and, it a lot. Yes, but he, but, but like, so, so did normal people, yeah. I think. Like, I, I think what, what I've started to appreciate about him is his like, his like, his aw- awkward normalness is is like stunning to me and he is searching for something the same way that i think many people are yeah. you know going to golden state i'm like and he gets there and he wins two titles he gets two finals mvps and he's like fuck this doesn't feel like it's supposed to feel you know and i i just i've gained an appreciation for durant and then watching him play the way he's played after an achilles is just stunning to me I'm even, I want the Sixers to beat the Nets, but I'm even nervous watching him that he's going to get hurt. And, uh, and I just, I'm in like in a weird place with KD. I've, I've become almost like this Kevin Durant fan over the last year or two. I mean, he's a double basketball player. He's very human as a person. Like he's certainly made mistakes and has come out looking stupid in different places. But, um, yeah, very, I would say like more than, it seems like a ve- the very modern superstar, which yeah. like he's very online, but like online in a way that doesn't feel as curated as some other guys. Mm-hmm. And he's so big and talented and one of the best shooters of all time and also so skilled at so many other things. But he doesn't do it all the time because it's like he wants to like be nice to his teammates and like share the ball and generally not have to do everything. Which I also get. He just seems like very, you know. We've been now. We've been with him for like fourteen years, uh-huh. and he's just like an incredibly special player that I think is. I I really hope loses in the next round. Um, it's going to be very frustrating to play against him if we do. So, before we go, and I, I'm. You know, somebody asked for me to say something nice about Ben Simmons for his $5 donation in the last pod. And I'm expecting at least five $5 donations for what I'm about to say. That's what I'm expecting. So if you're on YouTube, I expect five $5 donations. They will go to Providence Animal Center encoded by kids. Rudy Gobert was announced as the defensive player of the year. Yeah. And I've, I've thought about this a lot. I think it's pretty inarguable that if we're talking about defensive impact, the defensive player of the year almost certainly has to be a center. Yeah. But, like, you're getting all these points for being a, like, big, tall, like, sort of doofus. Like, if, if you want to talk about the hardest job that someone has to do defensively, Ben Simmons is a more talented defensive player than Rudy Gobert. By a lot. And, and even though by the numbers and like by all those things that, that you would eventually in the aggregate say Gobert's impact is greater, 
If you were telling me, and I say this offensively, so it's only fair. I say offensively, I want a guy who I can give the ball to at the end of a game, and I want him to be able to give a bucket. If you're telling me there's one possession I have, and I can, and I have a defensive player to put on the court to stop the other team in the last possession of a game to close. win a title, I would take Ben Simmons over Rudy Gobert, which means that I would take him as a defensive player over Rudy Gobert. And, and like, there are some things about numbers where it's, it's why the Rockets probably never won a title where they win over the long haul, but when it's in a, a certain, you know, time and the, you know, uh, situation is not going to work the same way. And, you know, the jazz are winning in the playoffs and so on and, and so forth. But like, I would take Ben Simmons as a defensive player over Rudy Gobert. I think he should have won defensive player of the year over Rudy Gobert. I didn't think I believed that before, but like the NBA is not just about impact numbers. It's about what you see in the court. And what I see in the court is that Ben Simmons is better defensively than Rudy Gobert. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're, I think it's very clear that centers are always going to have an advantage in this category, uh, like a very, a serious advantage because Without a good defensive center, your defense is going to suck. And Ben has had to play with a lot of, you know, usually Dwight, a very mediocre uh, five back there um, defensively. And when, he's, when Embiid's out there, the numbers are elite because Embiid is a, also a great defensive five. But I think more should be factored into it than simply on-off splits and, um, you know, various... Uh, steals and block percentage and everything. I think it, it, there is something to say for Ben covering the best guy in the biggest moments every single time in the way that Kawhi does. Mm -hmm. um, or LeBron used to. Or LeBron or, used to. Yeah. Um, and that Giannis doesn't and that Gobert doesn't. Like when Gobert switches on to somebody, really anybody, you feel like nervous. I think he holds up better than a lot of centers. I don't think he's Jonas Valanciunas out there. I don't think he is you know, even Demata Sabonis out there. Like, he's good. Like, he's a good, good defensive perimeter, perimeter defensive player for a guy as big as he big. is. Absolutely. Yeah. And he had a great block at the end of a game on Marcus Morris to to seal it. Although Marcus Morris got him to bite. I don't know why he didn't just take three fouls, mm -hmm. take the foul shots. But it's just like, it is certainly harder and more necessary to have somebody out there who can switch on to five different guys at any time, really make life hard on elite NBA scorers, and do, do it all while while still having like a lot of responsibility on the other end. Like Gobert does nothing but set screens and roll, which is valuable. I like that in a big man, but I don't think I just giving him the giving him the award, I think, especially for a third time, it's just like. Like he's very good, and he's very good for the Jazz, and the Jazz are a very good team, and I think they they very well could get to the finals, 100. percent He started COVID, Mike. He started he's, COVID, and he started COVID, which is tough. He's and it's tough to blame it all on him, but it's fun too. Um, <laughs> and I just think Ben deserved it. I think he just the level of effort that he gave every night, uh, and stopping different guys and shutting them down and making life hard on guys. It is tough. I also see the argument that I'm, that Ben is not the best defensive player on the team, and he might not even be the second best defensive player on the team. But he certainly gives the most effort out of all those three as far as minutes goes and responsibilities go. Um, and I, I think it would have been 
it, it should have gone to Ben this year because of how good the Sixers were, because of the fact that Gobert got it before um, twice. And and that he's just like he's just a special level defender to be that nimble to cover one through five, really. Not great five, but he does it. Um and to shut shut guys down on the perimeter inside, using his hands, getting in passing lanes, bodying up, taking contact, like just so many things he does well on defensive end. Um, and I think it's just a little bit like the simple thing to do to be like, we gave it to the big guy that that blocks the shots. Like, come on. Well, to to me, it's like saying that he's offensive player of the year because his field goal percentage is so high because he dunks right. everything, you know, yeah. like Mitchell just, Robinson is offensive player of the year. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Ben, Ben can't be Ben without Embiid back there. That's for sure. And for Embiid sure. at top Embiid is likely the best defensive player in the NBA. But, um, but I think Ben deserved, I think Simmons deserved it. This yeah. Year. And as the, as our commenter pointed out, Ben exposed Rudy and scored 42 points against him. And if Ben Simmons is not an offensive elite scorer can score 42 points, basically against the defensive player of the year, there's something wrong with it. It's fine. If it was his first time getting it, I would have a problem, but to give a guy defense player of the year three times in a row, like it's part of, I think context matters. And I think that you should have, have a little bit of historical perspective in a way that, that's why I also think that Monty Williams deserved coach of the year because Tibbs got it before. And like, he's already like, he's flamed out. Like we don't need to give it to him. Like he straight up doesn't need it. Like Ben deserved it. He played his ass off this year. He's are done. You pro, are you pro narrative right here? No, I'm pro. Like he got one already. You know, we don't need it. Like it's fine. If Gobert was the best player defensively hands down, it's not even close. Then yeah, of course give it to him. But like there's other contenders and he deserved, he deserved it. Like Simmons deserved it and he should have gotten it. And I'm, but I'm fine with Simmons and Embiid both finishing second. Uh, and he's voting so they can both do a chip on their shoulder, us against the world type of thing. Do you think maybe they should give uh, they give Simmons defensive player of the year and they give Gobert pandemic starter of the year or something? Pandemic, like that? pandemic starting five would be good. <laughs> Sam Darnold also could be on there. That would be pretty impressive. Um, yeah, I think that'd be great. I think that'd be very nice. I, I don't think I think Embiid is going to finish second team All NBA, which because they're going to be like positionally, you know. A disgrace. Position nitpicker. Make someone a fucking forward. I, I they qualify as forward. You're not actually playing a game. Yeah, you're, you're not, not going to play a basketball game with these five players and go like, well, who's going to match up with who? It's like it's a fake thing. It's totally fake. It's totally fake. Here are the five best players in the league. These are the five All NBA players. There you go. It's ridiculous. All right, we'll talk to you Monday night. Game four is Monday night. Uh, you have the weekend off from the Ricky. Well, you could enjoy this, listen to this one seven or eight times, but with no new pod until Monday night. Remember, it'll be live on YouTube, live on Twitch. The subscription links are right there on our Twitter and on our website and all that kind of stuff. So uh, we will talk to you Monday night. Are you down with TTP? Yeah, you know the case. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. But if you fuck with me, I'm gonna fucking kill you!